Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Well, another train, another railway station. This time it's not the Gare du Nord, and it's not a train heading for Germany. It's a suburban train heading to southwest London, an appointment to catch up with Peter Kenyuk, MBE. Is he an MBE? I think he's an MBE. Peter Kenyuk, MBE. Hi, Pete. Oh. Hi, Ned. This is nice, isn't it? It's actually it's lovely, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's quite weird, isn't it? Because you walk off the high street down... An alleyway. An alleyway. <laughs> <laughs> and there's kind of like vent, like, uh, like uh, ventilation shafts from deep fat fryers yeah. and broken down bits and pieces. And then you like walk in here... mattresses and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit. And then you walk in here through the door and it's kind of like... It's quite Executive bougie, sports, sports world. Yeah. It's like proper... Lovely kitchen. Beautiful bathroom. Unused coffee machine. Completely yeah, unused. Yeah. Looks but really like over-engineered. Yeah, it's a lovely office. Yeah. Yeah. This is Trinity Management though. You, Don't forget, not Trinity Basin. That's, that's true. But it, yeah, covers everything. Yeah, so. yeah. But it's nice. It's a nice place to come actually for me yeah. and John. Yeah. Especially because you just get so much done when you're together. So, and so this is November the 1st. Yeah. What are you doing? What can you possibly uh, do? We're just basically planning the race program. Uh, for next year all the well the whole season yeah and then we're selecting teams up until the nationals but it's only provisional like yeah, yeah it changes so much with people's yeah. form you know yeah um yeah up going up and down and crashes injuries whatever but it's still you know you need a starting point yeah and then jess can go and start looking into hotels Logistics and, and hotels booking cars on the euro yeah. tunnel and so forth uh what else are we doing yeah i'm just generally catching up but I mean, we did this meeting in January last year, so we're already yeah. two months ahead. Yeah. So get and it done now, and then you can. Uh, it's just, just, off a it just bit, yeah. yeah, and it's just getting on top of it because before you know it, you're into the season and you're chasing your tail a bit. But yeah. last year was, I mean, it was my first year in the job. John's, Aaron's first year as sort of head mechanic. Um, Charlie was Aaron. new. Aaron, aka Sean Aaron. Kelly. Yeah, yeah, he's coming soon. Actually, <laughs> is he? Um, but um, <laughs> so we were. It was all not disorganized, but yeah. we were just learning as we went. Where now we can look back and be like, he would took a lot from it, and everyone's learned so much that we, like, right, let's do this here. And you know, it just keeps us two steps ahead, basically. Yeah. Little one day in New York. New York? What's that? Is that a brand new race? Yeah. Yeah, so there's a grand final there, huge, and they've put on a race. Uh, for the first time next year, shouldn't have said that when you asked me, were we doing it? <laughs> 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 yeah, that's cool. Good. What is yeah. it? Is it uh, in the city? Like a crit sort of? So it goes up to Hudson Bay. It goes up the Hudson yeah. River somehow. Bridge? It starts by Washington Bridge, then goes there. How cool is that? That's where the Grand Fondo goes, so we're assuming that it's similar. So. Who's DSing that? 
He's going out and flying the drop. I suppose I will. John's the overseas I'm DSU. Fly away. I'm yeah, fly I'm, away. I'm Europe. He prefers Asia. John prefers Asia. Yeah, fly away. I'll go away. So I, I don't get any fly away. No, you don't go anywhere. Don't do long haul travel. No, not, not for me. You prefer the 40-hour drive. It's too far away from the rock, Dad. Yeah, I'm a traditionalist. Yeah, you like driving there. Old school race program. <laughs> I don't mind. See, I just, you, I'm like, just, you like you yeah. like sightseeing and that. Was yeah, yeah. Should see all the photos on his phone. Yeah, unbelievable. Like. Air, airports, love airports. <laughs> They're being really hot. <laughs> <laughs> it's because you have loads of time to organise. Yeah, isn't it? Not being really hot and then stressing when you go through security control because you've you forgotten go, something. You go full dad mode at the airport. As well. And you got like eighteen bike bags. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I do go dad mode. He does. If you could have a little folder with everyone's passports. No, I won't do passports. I walk, I clear off. As soon as I'm through security and they're in, then I run away, I run away from the riders as fast as possible. Because <laughs> they're there, they're, then they're out of my... Yeah. If they can't get themselves through a gate, then that's it. They don't need to go. But... So it's been good. You're looking forward good. to it again? You're looking forward to another year of it? I am. Well, it's, it still feels quite far away. Yeah, it, well, it is. And know, it's very sure. different programme to last year because we did the big Portugal block. Yeah. Doing Calpig. Are you doing that again? We're not, are ra- you? we're not racing until March. Wait, are you not doing Alan Sergio? No. Yes. No. No. Oh, I was going to come out to that again. Oh, no. Oh, that's such a shame. Yeah. it's a, What it, should I come out to? It, it's a tough call because it's so good out there. Yeah. But it's it's such a long drive. Yeah. Um, and it's a lot of stress and travel yeah. on the staff before you even get going. What should you come out to? Let's look. What are you doing? So you're not racing till March. Do you want me to run you through what I'm doing? What's your first race that you'll be at? Again, Wevelgum. Uh, yeah, I've never seen that. I might come out to uh, that. That's I'm, dead easy oh, to get Paris to. Oh, Paris-Roubaix. Do you want to get in the car for that? What, Junior Paris-Roubaix? Under 23 Paris-Roubaix. Espoir. Espoir. I've never seen that. That would be cool. That would be very cool. Oh, can I get in the car on that? Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh, that's it. Brilliant. What day is that? That is the, the sixth so of April. Yeah, that in, sounds like I can do that. That's and then I do under twenty three Liège, then Tour de Bretagne, and then what am I doing next? Flesh de Sword, Alps is there, and then from Alps is there, yeah, all the way until the end of the season. Yeah, copy and paste from last year, right? Including okay. obviously the Tour de France for ITV. Yeah, yeah. So it's we get to there, and me and John are like, well, we literally did that two months ago. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, what, what are you saying? Um hotels, I need to get on, I need to get on it actually because we've got different people working behind the scenes on the Tour de France this year. So, oh, yeah, yeah I change. need to yeah, you've just reminded me actually uh-huh. talking about you booking hotels for the riders. I need to get on it with our hotel situation. You've taken on a big responsibility there, haven't you? <laughs> because also if it doesn't work like you Oh, I'm going to get it, I know. It's that's a lot that. Yeah, no, but you know I'm what not, you're I'm doing not, though. Don't no, you? I'm not going to book them all myself. No, no. I'm not going to do that. But I want to get involved in the book in the yeah. process because I want to. Like, I don't want any crazy three-hour transfers. No. So I'm going to say to them, no, and the hour and a half in the morning goes so quick compared Isn't it? to after the race when you're brain Isn't fried. It? Totally, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so what else have you been up to? Stepping been up, on? stepping up. What's been going on? What has been going? You on? went to the football. Yeah, that was class. Liverpool, Everton, so good, brilliant. Blew my mind. Loved it. Every so you're other. now a Liverpool fan. Well, I've always been a bit of a Liverpool fan because <laughs> it's just, yeah. you know, I feel a bit half of my, you know, half of my family are from Liverpool. Yeah. So it's just, it's in me. Yeah. But yeah, 
I just loved the whole experience of it. Did it you? Brilliant, yeah. Yeah. It's just class Anfield, isn't it? It is a little bit. It's just got, everyone knows it's got something special about it. But yeah, yeah that was epic. And then I went home, I ran a marathon yesterday. No, a half marathon. Half marathon. Half marathon yesterday, <laughs> out of nowhere. Oh, I'll tell you what, I've got I've got a little um, voice note that you sent me about that. So I'll put it in here. Oh, God. <laughs> I woke up yesterday and I was just like, fed up of being, feeling like a slouch. And I was like, I just want to feel some pain. I want to push myself. And so I ran half marathon without stopping once. Uh, 408 meters climbing. So random, barely ran all year. Well, since it's all really. Just did it, like. Yeah, I, I went on a run this morning, Pete, my first soaking wet run, and I put on a slight outer, just very lightweight running jacket on top of a, a normal sort of running shirt sort of thing. And the two, because it got soaked straight away, and the two sort of stuck together. And... God cold i didn't get cold so much as i got nipple rub oh no like for the first time and i'm in i'm sitting here opposite you in slight slight state of discomfort actually because <laughs> have you ever had that no i get armpit <laughs> chafing when i wear a vest in the summer right never had nipple rub yeah got massive left nipple as well surprise it's never happened <laughs> <laughs> is that too much for the pod it's a bit no yeah, well, you've got just different sized nipples. Well, they're both quite big, but my left one's bigger. And my dad's is as well. It's like genetic. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually genetic. It's weird how stuff like that. I've got my dad's, I've got a bunion on my left foot that is exactly the same as my it's dad's. dad's. Yeah. yeah, isn't it? Just it just a, gets passed down. Yeah. Yeah, and I've also got my dad's exact lower jaw. I caught a glimpse of myself in because I'm aging at quite a rate at the moment. I caught a glimpse of myself in the mirror the other day, and I've got the and I was pulling the exact same expression as my dad, and it scared the life out of me. Yeah, weird that, isn't it? Who do you resemble more, your mum or your dad? Oh, I'm the your mum. No mum, the double of her, absolute double. You lover. are, aren't you? Yeah, don't take anything to heart. Broad shoulders, um, committed, determined. Um, what were we talking about before? Because you're, mom, cause you're so, go on. all three of you. So your sister and your brother, yeah, quite similar people in your in your different ways. Do you think Emma's? I think Emma, I think me and Tim are. Emma's the different one. She's the sane, level-headed. Is that right? Yeah, because she's a Kenya, you see. Right. Okay. They're, they're, they're a bit more. But she looks. She's still got the same sort of colouring as you, hasn't she? The no, dark. she's a lot lighter as well. Is yeah, she? fair. Yeah. Is she? Yeah. Okay. It's been a while since I've seen Emma. Yeah, it must have been. <laughs> but I was going to suggest that your mum's genetics are, are stronger than your dad's in your family. Yeah, so she's passed more down. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you could say that. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. And how was your mum, Jackie? Yeah, great. Yeah. Did she listen to the pod? I think so. Oh, that's my alarm going off. What's, What's to that say? for? Oh, that's a reminder to set training. <laughs> <laughs> because when you, you kind of, it's fine when you're in your routine and your structure. But as soon as you yeah. go away for a couple of days and you get your head into something else, yeah, I've got the worst memory. Right. And it's even just to check that it's it's up to date. So. Yeah, yeah. Little reminders. Getting old. Um, well, uh, yeah. Um, I just had a chat with your boss. Should we hear that now? Yeah. It's quite interesting, actually, because I've known Andrew for a long time, but I've never actually sat down and spoken to him about what it is he does. And he's got some interesting, um, just uh, an interesting take on what's actually going on in the world of cycling, how hard it is to keep everything afloat. Let's <laughs> Well, I'm sitting here in what can only be described as a 
swanky <laughs> agency <laughs> boardroom. It's got wood panelling, yeah. probably quite expensive Siberian pine or something like that. It's got a Venetian blind looking out into a courtyard and almost like Japanese-style sliding doors. <laughs> yeah. um, and I'm sitting here with Andrew McQuaid, who is the uh, founder, CEO, owner... Founder, uh, all, all three really, yeah. Of Trinity Racing. Trinity's, no, Trinity Trinity's, Sports Management. Yes, which owns and runs which Trinity Racing as part of what we do. Yeah, yeah. What gives you more pleasure, the agency or the team? Um, Good question. Definitely the, the, probably like the team. I do love the team. The team uh, is a passion project. I do it because I love it. I don't yeah. have to do it. I don't need to do it. There's yeah. a lot of other agents out there who don't run a development team. Yeah. So I get a lot of enjoyment out of helping young riders kind of turn pro. Yeah. But then managing riders, which is my bread and butter. I've done it for 15 odd years now. Yeah. I do get enjoyment out of helping uh, helping those guys. It's just, yeah. yeah, it's different. You obviously have a family name that carries an awful lot of kind of meaning and heft in, in the world of cycling. And But actually, a lot of our listeners may not know exactly where you fit into the McQuaid family tree. And, <laughs> and, and, and also... Can you explain the kind of the position that your family occupies in Irish, in Irish so, cycling kind of history? For whatever reason, I'm not sure. My grandfather and his brother, Jim McQuaid, my grandfather and his brother, uh, Paddy, Uncle Paddy, we used to call him. They were both big bike riders. They raced. And this was kind of 40s when like cycle, grassroots cycling, I think, was very, very popular in Ireland. Yeah. So they both raced. And then my grandfather moved to Dublin from up north. He had 10 children, seven of which were boys. Um <laughs> They all raced to an international level. No one was pro, so to speak, but all raced kind of represented Ireland. That's insane. Yeah. All of them. All of them. All seven, yeah. <laughs> so my father is Pat McQuaid, who was the eldest of the ten. Um, and like, even now I'm a father of two kids. I couldn't imagine having ten children. It's just... But it's... That's the way it was. Yeah. Like, my father, Pat, never lived in the same house as his youngest brother Dara who's my uncle who also works in cycling because by the time Dara was born Pat and my dad had already moved out yeah like a, almost a generation apart on yeah. Pat and Dara the oldest yeah. and the youngest yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah so they all raced a lot of them then kind of work still work in cycling my older brother raced my cousin Gary raced who's now an agent as well um, I was I actually was a rugby player as a kid I loved playing rugby but family kind of didn't talk to me, so I started racing uh, <laughs> properly and kind of, I guess, as junior, started taking it a bit seriously. And um, did you yeah. get a few, you got a few results, didn't you, Andrew? Like, uh, nah, not really. Not really. I tried. Like, like I was on the Irish team. I went to a few worlds and European championships. There you go. And I was I was full time. So I when I was eighteen, um, I went to junior worlds. But luckily or unluckily, I was actually I was quite good in school. So I decided, decided to go to university, but I had no results on the road. Yeah. Whereas I was racing with Nico Roach and Philip Dignan, who were getting results. So they went full time, but I went to university um, studied law. But I raced as much as I could through uni. And then for two years full time after university, I raced uh, based in Belgium with the Sean Kelly team. But great experience, learned a lot. And to be honest, uh, after those two years, I realized I was not good enough to be a pro. So... Yeah. There's no regrets or anything like that. I just gave it a shot. You gave it a shot. Gave it a shot. Learned a lot. Got yeah. um, a lot of life experience and lessons out of it. Huh. Yeah. Do you think that's quite sort of the fact that you've actually been down that route and found out how hard it is and done it the hard way and not, not made the grade effectively? Do you think that stands you in good stead when you deal with your young riders who who you sign up here, not all of whom are going to make a career in it? Yeah, I would like to, I would like to think so. Um, the experience, even like I know what it's like to go move to 
France and race with a French club and yeah. be surrounded by French speakers uh, uh, on the dinner table and how hard that can be and what you need to kind of get through that. Yeah. Um, and then I also know it's like at the end of the day, there's 531 World Tour riders uh, this year. So I know how hard it is to be in that top division and you, you might still be a good rider, but yeah you're, if you're not in the top 531 from all over the world you're yeah. not a world tour rider so yeah yeah i think it stands to me it's both a big number and really not a very big number isn't it when you compare it with other sports you know like yeah like there's football there's the premiership there's bundesliga there's la liga there's all yeah. these different avenues to be a proper pro yeah. and professional athlete yeah. we're cycling at 531 i think and i think this year there was 78 or 79 neo pros yeah so neo pro is under 25 um so if you think about it if you're trying to turn pro this day and age, yeah, you have to be in the top eighty under twenty five bike riders in the world. In the world, in the world, yeah, and that's <laughs> not a big yeah. number. Yeah, a couple of your lads have made the jump, haven't they? So you're, you're they're moving on at the end of the year. The, the, from Trinity, yeah, racing. from Trinity, yep. Yep. yeah. Who's go, who's going and where are they going? Uh, we've so. had quite a good year. We've Finn Pickering who. Um, uh, had a lot of sickness and a few uh, crashes this year, so he didn't. Tiny quite get little the climber, isn't he? Tiny little tiny climber. Tiny little climber, real talent man. Yorks- Massive talent. Yorkshireman, yeah. Uh, and I've no doubt he's going to have a really good career. So mm. he still got spotted. He's going to Bahrain, uh, victorious. Yeah. Um, Lucas Naracker, who yep. had a good year, going to EF Education. Yeah. With Luke. his um, lineage of his athletic yes, uh, with background, his, with his father, his father, who's a long distance runner. Yeah. So only met his father once at the Tour of Britain last year. He ran, I think he was at the start, and then he ran to the That's finish. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. he, uh, Luke is a lovely lad. He's going to go far, very talented. Yeah. And Luke Lamperti yeah. uh, is going to quick step, uh, um, Sudal quick step. Yeah. So he's been actually on the team for three years. So I'm happy yeah. for him. He's really. Uh, kind of grown up in the team to an extent so it's he blows my mind Luke Lamperty because he's still 21 isn't he or maybe he's 22 now I don't know no he's 20 still he's 20, he's 20. He'll, 20. Turn, he'll turn 21 on the 31st December yeah he behaves like a 45 year old yeah. doesn't he it's just he's like it's the most impressively mature sort of mature mannered yeah just raised yeah he's well, a great guy lovely lad he is yeah. a lovely guy I was a bit worried for him when the whole merger thing was being mooted between like you know the super merger and yeah, then, uh, yeah. I wondered whether that would have knock-on effects for riders they just signed and kind of. To be honest, we were actually okay during that whole period. I was trying to uh, see what was going on and yeah. assess options, but he he actually went on a Jumbo Visma training camp last winter. Okay, so they knew him. Yeah, and um, so he would have been in good good position anyway. Like anyway, I, it's, it's I can't, yeah, I can't yeah. guarantee, but I think uh, they yeah. knew him and they they even might have offered him a contract a few months ago. Like yeah. they uh, that yeah. he might have been okay. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, with all that. So you've had a quite a good year. So pushing, is that, that's four riders who've gone World Tour from your team, is it? Or have I miscounted? That's three, and actually we've one more going to World Tour. It's just not announced yet. So I'll okay. let, uh, he's Gee, a tell. good, yeah, not a good rider. <laughs> so that's four, four this year. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, when, when you bear in mind how, how few opportunities there are, as you say, you've, yeah. got, you've got, what's the maths? Four out of 80? Yeah. What's that? 2%. <laughs> I'm a lawyer, okay. not a mathematician. <laughs> it's it's impressive. It's probably more than two percent. I'm not going to try and work it out. It's probably a lot more than two percent. In fact, it must be four twenty. It's eight percent or something one, like that. One twentieth. Uh, <laughs> we can't work it out. Let's be honest. Um, but it's a whole chunk of your riders. Where, where um, where's the sport at? I mean, you've been like you say you've been agenting for well over a decade now. So you've seen the kind of like ebbs and flows. You've seen the Presumably, you, you got in board, on board just before the kind of 2012 
takeoff moment, at least from a UK perspective. And yeah, so I started managing riders two thousand and eight. There you so go. I've kind of been doing it since then. Interesting. The sport at the top level, actually, the the best thing about it, it's quite it's more secure. Although obviously there was just merger talk this year, but there's not as many teams at risk of folding year on year. Mm. I remember, I think 2011, 2012, 2013, like every year a team would be, will they survive, won't they? Are they yeah. going to collapse? And there was quite a few teams who did collapse. That that's, hasn't happened now. A lot of teams have security, long-term sponsors, really engaged sponsors, so um, and some really good sponsors. Yeah. However, it's still really tough out there as a marketplace. I think the cycling industry as a whole um, is on a dip as opposed to an upward curve at the moment. Yeah. Uh, but 20, that's, in a way, hardly surprising since the world is... On, were, a, yeah. on a dip they followed right. the world. like 20 yeah. but 2020 <clears throat> and 2021 were great years for the cycling industry like people were cause, mm. because of covid people were out they were riding bikes they were yeah, buying equipment sure. um a lot of these companies were doing very well yeah and then zwift became a behemoth didn't it and yeah. kind of pumped money back into ro- the road racing scene in various different ways and yeah yeah. The, yeah yeah they were able to like even trinity racing we are propped up by the industry like specialized our main sponsor yeah. um tram um who like they were our main sponsor zwift and now yeah. obviously when they're struggle and marketing budgets start to get cut yeah trendy racing is they don't want to and they everyone loves trendy racing but it's a, it's a bit of an easy one to cut because yeah. while they love it they don't necessarily need it yeah and um, so that makes it difficult there's a knock-on effect to a team like us trying to kind of keep afloat yeah 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 so uh, it's interesting what kind of blows my mind a bit is how variable we we're just talking about it before we pressed record here you know about how the difference between the way that the UK scene looks and feels and works and like a massive potential market like Germany, which can't seem to get off the ground for one in one way or another. Um, and in every territory, it expresses itself differently, doesn't it? Like mm. Italy's still got this very old school feel about it, you know, with kind of like these small companies and all the different logos on the jerseys and yeah. the Green Project, CSF, Bardiani, Faisani, CSF, whatever the hell they are. And, you know, you know, and it still feels like not much has changed there. And in France, you've got these, if you like, these kind of legacy sponsorship deals that despite the serial underachievement over decades of French teams, just don't seem to go away. You know, your AG2Rs, yeah. your Total Energies and your Coffee Dis, of course, which goes back an enormous amount yes. of time. So you've got this immense stability in France, despite the fact that they don't produce that many kind of like champions. Up. France seemed to have a really good club level. What mm. France seemed to do really mm. well is the DN1, it's called that division, it's like VC Roubaix, CC Toops. Like they're just yeah. great teams that have been around for years. And what I think they're very good at is not getting carried away with themselves or overextending themselves right. or trying to grow. I think they know what they are and they're happy being that. Yeah. And there's a really strong DN2 kind of division within France as well. And that's just their local town or wherever yeah, they're yeah, from. Yeah. And they, they keep them propped up and the uk yeah you're so right vc rouen all those all yeah, of those yeah, yeah, metropole <laughs> and all those not yeah. um yeah not like there's a, a lot of them whereas the uk at the moment is struggling to be yeah. honest the uk racing scene so wipe out isn't it? it's just bleak out there there's not that many races i see um the wally gimber i think just got called off for next year really? that race has been on for about 20 yeah, yeah. or even more maybe 50 years um, yeah it just seems to be the ch- the the economy isn't great. It's hard to get sponsorship. It's more expensive to put on races. Closing roads is more difficult. Policing seems to be more expensive. Yeah. Uh, and that's killing. Part of that's cultural. And, part, yeah. part of that's historical, isn't it? Like yeah. you've still got a kind of like hurdle of incomprehension to get over, to get yeah. a bike race on. Like when you deal with local authorities and uh, you're speaking 
to a large extent, still a, a, a foreign language to them when you talk about bike racing. Whereas, you know, in France, it doesn't need explaining. Yeah. All this stuff doesn't need explaining. It's just they there. Just and in Belgium, it. it's because yeah. it's obvious. There's a lot of racing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there are, there are reasons, aren't there? But, yeah. yeah. But, and the UK, again, the UK is kind of similar, say, to Trinity Racing Reliant on the industry. Marketing budgets in, the, in any UK company are being cut because uh, the economy is not uh, performing so great at the moment, cost of living, etc. And cycling is an easy thing to cut. Yeah. Okay, we sponsored this, but actually we don't need to do it. We like to do it. We know it's good. We don't have to do it. Um, so I think a lot of the races are struggling to raise revenue to put on the race. And then teams, there's only, well, this year there's two continental teams of Britain ourselves in St. Perry and same for next year. But there's no six or seven years ago there was about six six yeah. teams i think um, yeah. and all healthy teams and some riders were making a living out of doing it yeah uh, whereas now although in one positive uh, to be a little bit positive there are i believe eight female continental yeah. uk teams next year which is a great thing yeah. great for that side of completely sport. different picture yeah. yeah but i was having these thoughts during the tour of britain actually you know a few couple of months ago that actually despite one of the kind of unintended, maybe positive consequences of the sort of decimation of the UK racing scene is actually that the clock has been turned back a little bit in terms of a lot of the young... It strikes me that there's a lot of British talent at pro team level and even at world tour level, the Onleys of the world, the Max Pools of the yeah. world, who've just kind of seemingly popped up from nowhere, but they've gone about it. like It's almost like back to the, back to the way it was. You want a career in racing? Well, don't don't waste your time you know racing the tour series and kind of like domestic mm. actually get yourself over to belgium get yourself over to france and do it like the, the david miller generation did it back in the day it's in a way the way cycling as a professional sport is going it's getting younger and younger so eight seven 16 17 year olds are being recruited from world tour teams like when i started being an agent if i sign normally we would sign a rider to our agency and they were already a pro and um, whereas now basically if i don't sign them as a junior I'll miss out because some other agent will get them. So what's happened for these young guys, it's actually really good for them because the junior scene is quite strong in the UK. There's some really good professionally run junior racing teams like Tom Pickock's dad, Giles. Like Giles, he, yeah. he puts on a really, he, uh, really good junior team. He puts together a really good junior team that race abroad and there's a very strong junior racing scene abroad. Um, there was another, an XO junior team this year, etc. Finn Pickering, Worked with him, didn't he, as a kid? As, Pickering was Pickering, in Giles' yeah, team, yeah. yeah. So there's, um, a pa- there's a pathway through that. There's you know, a pathway. And yeah. so Pickering first, he actually went to FDJ from there. Then he came from FDJ yep. development team to us. Yep. But these kids, the way the sport is going, these World Tour teams are looking at the junior rankings. And a lot more of these World Tour teams are creating their own development teams. So yep. they will get them like um, Max Poole. Yep. He came from Giles' team as well. Yep. He went straight from there to, a, I believe it was a three-year contract with DSM, DSM. one-year Devo yeah. and two-year world tour so yeah british riders are not lucky uh, if they can if they're one of the best juniors in britain um they will have a clear pathway to world tour because they will get picked up by either yeah. a world tour team or a trendy racing yeah. and even us i feel bad because there's so much talent coming through the uk we've I have a ton of cvs that i would love to put on the team mm. for next year because they deserve it they seem good enough um but we don't have enough space, so you can only take so many riders. Are all your spaces taken now? Have you yeah. signed every rider? You're right. How we many signed. how many riders have you got then? Will you have next year? So we have eighteen riders next year. Eighteen. Um, no, this year we had twenty one. So for uh, as a continental team, you're allowed a max of sixteen, mm-hmm. and then you're allowed four specialists on top of that. Okay. But yep. for a few reasons, budget mainly budget budget related, and also we don't want to sign 
guys and then not be able to deliver a race program so we have yeah. to go through it all like we have pete and john going through the race program now and making sure we can deliver a race program to every one of those riders mm, to, mm. to meet their needs of what they're looking for mm. cool have you got any new races on the program next year or, or um not really we had to be honest this year we really went full gas trying to get the best race program yeah. possible and i do believe we had an exceptional you really did didn't you yeah. yeah yeah it was some really top races the very best under 23 races so yeah we are lucky that we performed well this year so we should get invites back to all those races again next year and there's not that many new races we may um i would love to go to tour columbia which i believe is back on the calendar yeah. now in february but i have to be able to figure out, out if it's possible logistically if equipment would be here on time clothing and budget wise if we can make it work yeah that would be one i would love to do yeah and we've two colombian riders on our team so it really would suit yeah. yeah apart from that just if we could do if we got the same program next year we did this year i'd be delighted and where do you see the, where does the team go in the next four or five years more of the same are you happy with the, the space you occupy in the peloton or, or, or uh, you know is the grander I'd, ambitions or i don't even know if that's an appropriate question because you're doing a good job right it's yeah it's hard because obviously where it is as a development team and continental team it really suits um working being run alongside my agency because obviously any rider who's on our team yep. that we partly fund are assigned to the agency and then when they turn pro we keep working with them and kind of get our return on investment um it is getting harder and harder to put a budget together to do this um because as i said we're reliant on the industry because so many more world tour teams are creating development teams there's there seems to be less of a need for a trendy racing although i think even more so than ever there's a need for independent development teams so if I can, if I could keep it together, if I at worst, if I could keep it as it is, as a kind of development team, mountain bike, uh, cyclocross, I would love to. What I would love, what I would love to do, is first secure a budget that means we could do like really do what we wanted to do with the team and do it a hundred percent properly. Because at the moment we do the best that we can with kind of the money we have. I would love to add a female development team. Mm. Um, just because I think there's a really good kind of opportunity there. There's a lot of really good female riders coming up and from junior to world tour, there is a gap. Um, in there is obviously there's more and more British uh, continental teams, but I would love to add that to it. And then to be honest, if with talking to Pete and John, if we could step up a level where we also had a pro continental team, a development team, a female side, like that would be something I would love to do. And I think there's, there's a, not, not a need for it it could really service a lot of riders who might miss the boat going world tour kind of young 18 19 and um if there's that pathway because everyone develops different they could actually really still become very successful and um, so yeah it's it's kind of everything's dependent on money so it just depends on, <laughs> on budget and sponsor. yeah yeah how's pete done last couple of years you can you can say what you like because he doesn't listen back to the podcast. He never does. <laughs> does he, he never does. <laughs> uh, Pete's great. He um, he's very obviously knowledgeable about cycling. He's very good with the riders. Like, he is, he's very he? passionate about it. He's yeah. when he's at the races, he just is very good guiding these young guys. He's so different as a DS from how he was as a rider. That's yeah. what blows my mind. Because he was like as a rider, he was so kind of like quick with a, an opinion or a, you know a comment or like he he's seen what it's like now on the, the other side of the track so to speak like it's he, so interesting as riders he's a good example he he was probably looked after age from age 50 yeah. onwards he would yeah. have been in the bc system yeah he basically didn't have to think for himself got told what to do where to go 
what to pack, what training to do. Like he never for still like that with ITV, by the way. Just, <laughs> <laughs> we just have yeah, to look after. He's yeah. special. <laughs> but and anyway, then, no. And I'll suddenly, you like he came into the team full time last year. I'm like Pete, uh, like I want to hurry, but like this is not easy this there's yeah. a lot of work like it's chaos behind the scenes yeah because we're effectively moving 20 people and all related equipment around europe we're effectively yeah. a logistics team yeah like, you need to <laughs> should paint a picture we're completely surrounded by boxes and kits aren't we <laughs> yeah. so like it is a nice boardroom but it's submerged in logistics uh, most of the time it's trying to figure out how we get the riders from there the yeah. vehicles over there and then the bikes need to be there and then yeah. you move on yeah. Um, yeah so that's been a steep learning curve for Peter. i don't think he's had to kind of use his uh brain as much as he did in the previous 15 years of being a pro bike rider yeah <laughs> but he's been yeah great the, the riders love him he's um he's really helped a lot of them kick on and he seems very good i don't go to many of the races but from feedback he's very good at knowing kind of what if the riders need to kick up the backside yeah. or if they need kind of an arm around their shoulder yeah 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 and he's got great hair so well, you know what can we you say? still like i can't get him to take that earring out <laughs> no that's the only uh, problem i really have that um <laughs> palm tree earring i don't know how he's wearing it but yeah i can't uh, get him to take it off cheers andrew thanks no for worries. thanks very much man. mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rose irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market Pete, Ned, I asked the Twitter, didn't I? Before you, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Before we yeah, hear on. what the questions Twitter have got to say, I've got a question to Twitter, go or on. to anyone actually. Yeah. Why is like the top part of a toilet brush? Why can you? Why is it unscrewable? Because every time you pick it up, the toilet brush just falls out of your hand. <laughs> so if anyone can explain to me what the the idea is behind it's that, it's so true. That is so true. It's quite remarkable, isn't it? And every toilet brush, over time, it gets yeah. looser and looser. Yeah. And then it just, you go to brush it and it falls, the whole thing just falls. Because you, you're holding the top bit, Why which disconnects. Would... The toilet brush falls out of your hand, basically, Because actually, when you toilet. think about it, like, it's and more... And then you've got to screw it back in in the toilet. It's more engineering, isn't it? Because you've, you've got to create a toilet brush that's in two parts with a thread on either side. Yeah. So that's, got, that's all got to be engineered and tooled, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah. And it's got to fit. So why would you do that? Because it implies that um, a bit like a kind of um yep. assassin's pistol that you can unscrew it and yeah. it'll pack it away into a case like and a travel, travel with it travel <laughs> a travel brush <laughs> yeah. but where you would never do that no. so why what is that that's it's just like one of those random things that yeah that's just what it is yeah no one can explain it yeah uh, another thing that's, and why are they white why why, why they, oh that's white? just money isn't it just stu- oh is it i well i'd have said so it's just cheaper to do white plastic oh, isn't there it? you go yeah. i don't know that I, I would have said so and why waste money anyway. on but on a similar aligned but kind of irritating plumbing note, the numbers of hotels we stay in every year, it's almost like a third or a half of our lives are in hotels, isn't it? Yeah. So you're constantly adjusting to different shower situations all the time. But shower's quite a well-known phenomenon about how difficult that is to kind of like, you know, sort of like turn on and get the right temperature, basically. <laughs> but 
aligned to that is, do you know what really has started to wind me up recently is, um, but is the sinks in the system for the plugs in sinks where you've got the little metal disc that kind of mm-hmm. clamps it shut and then you're having a shave or something so you fill it all up with scummy shaving water and then you can't empty it. Unplug- <laughs> yeah. How often does that happen? All the time. And you know those spindly little levers just behind you the taps? Get, I'll get like a knife off it and stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you've got those little levers and you're, you're sort of like whacking it down it yeah. has absolutely no effect. I reckon one in every 10 hotel rooms that happens to me. Oh, easily. And that's annoying, isn't that's it? That's enough, yeah. <laughs> I love like mundane life annoyances. Yeah. That everyone has. Yeah. And all of a sudden you just come across it. Like I've yeah. done that a million times with a toilet brush. And today, <laughs> it's the first time I just thought of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but the awkward thing is we came upstairs to the upstairs bit of the office and announced it. And yeah. then everyone knew that you'd had to deploy it. <laughs> well, Jess had to run to the shop to get a toilet roll. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Right, so we get to these questions. Yeah. I'm going to get them, them up? up. I will quickly get them up now. Well, what, otherwise, it's just going to be you reading out. I can get them up on here. No, you get them up, but I'm just going to get them up as well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Got, right, okay. So oh, they're quite. Some of them are quite in-depth. Yeah, there's, I thought those were quite good. Well, I had a little glance. Um, when did I... God, there's quite a few, isn't there? Where did I actually ask the question? Here we go, here we go. Jason Good asks... We can rattle through some. You can give some, some of these as much thought or not. Yeah, because as you some like. you need, like, it's quite hard to do off the cuff. Right. Well, some of them you can. So. Hashtag ask Pete. Which does Pete prefer <laughs> being? Rider, coach, DS presenter, or commentator, and why? That's a rider, isn't it? Rider. I prefer being a rider. Yeah. Which has given you more pleasure, I guess, is the question. Being a rider, being a coach, being a DS, being a television presenter, which you're not really. You're a pundit, but I, I know what you're only getting at. Or a TV commentator. And why? Well, I mean, I I'm, no. I, tell I, you what, I'm going to rank. I'm going to answer. I'm going to answer it for you. Uh, yeah, I can answer it as well. <laughs> I'm going to try one, and answer it for you, and then you can you okay, can tell me how I'll wrong tell I am. What's wrong with the question? Yeah, I think the least of the least uh, enjoyable one of those is commentator. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there. Your second least enjoyable one is is probably presenter pundit. What comes next? Well, th- then there's Coach DS and Rider. Oh, yeah. But then Rider's really complicated, isn't it? Because bits of being a rider you loved and bits you hated. And I, I wouldn't class you that... You can answer it. Thanks, Ned. I wouldn't class that as a question to ask now with those other questions. They, that comes se- That's separate because they are all part of my life now. Yeah. And a rider is... Is, is that bit that's is gone? Is that past life. All right. So coach- I don't... The co- I, coaching... I much prefer DSing, DSing yeah. and being around. Like I find the hard bit I find about coaching is it's all through a computer. Yeah. And what I really get a lot out of is when I'm with the riders on training camps, which is coaching, but it's more on a personal basis and a one-to-one rather than just such a weird thing, looking at training peaks. It, I don't, it, I, yeah, it doesn't motivate me. It's quite weird, isn't it, cycling coaching? Because any other sport, you're standing by the you're side there. of the swimming pool or you're standing by the mm-hmm. side of the training ground and you're going, do yeah. it again, do it again, and you're kind of whatever. You're I don't in know. It, yeah, but done. in cycling, you're just looking at a computer screen going... Nin, 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 you yeah, and that's data. what you do as a DS. Yeah. You, you're in, the, you're in yeah. the race with them. But I really enjoy... I tell you, I don't not enjoy commentary. I find it really bizarre that I've got headphones and a mic on and it's going out to... 800,000 people, however many. Yeah. And that's just my voice and they can't see me. I was looking for something on YouTube this morning. I was looking for 
Oh, yeah, I wanted to find my commentary on Pogacar's time trial win in 2020. Didn't find it because, you know, why would you? But I I sort of put in a few keywords like ITV, Tour de France and commentary and all that sort of thing. And you popped up and someone had clipped up. I think the ITV Sport official channel had clipped up you commentating, although it's not commentating because you're with me and we're commentating on the race, but it's clearly at a point in the race where nothing's happening. So we're actually just talking a bit like this. And you're... You're uh, telling the story about uh, Sagan and Cav and Sagan coming up to you when you signed for Bora saying, can you just ring him up and tell him to stop being nasty? Yeah, that was on the training camp. <laughs> it was very funny. Yeah. But you were really good at that. You yeah. were really good at that. You and really good I at like, and, and then on the flip side, I really enjoy presenting because I, I find it much easier when you're doing it to camera. Yeah. And I don't know why I find it easier to get my point across and talk naturally. Yeah. Where I get a bit, sometimes I get a bit stuck when it's just the microphone and no one can see. It's but really hard so, for me to explain. It should be the opposite. It should be it? the opposite. But it's not. Because and, and, and at the beginning of your broadcasting career, it was the opposite. Yeah. Until you relaxed into being in vision. Yeah. Like, because I, I like quite understandably that threw you a bit at the beginning. Yeah. And actually you, you were more comfortable just, you know, out of vision. And, and then also talk. what we but, do, although obviously <laughs> <laughs> Gary presents the show, it is it's more conversational in a way isn't it yeah it's not yeah you know when you've just got that screen yeah and you know when it, you've got those moments where it lulls yeah and there's pressure yeah to pick it up or just to, to find anything yeah when you if Feel you're 14 days into the tour yeah. and you're on a, a bit of a yeah. low sort of you know you know when you get like that because you have a honeymoon period in the first week don't you yeah where you just love it yeah you get free momentum and it's just that they'll those, carry you so far carry through to about it, stage five it does, doesn't it <laughs> it's those couple of days where i'm just like oh god this is could be a tough day yeah um yeah. so that's why i that's my least favorite part of commentary but um and then yeah the dsn's great love it and i'm right about riding right riding was both the best and the worst yeah wasn't yeah. it yeah but, yeah yeah um uh, how will this is from Louise? How will oh, learning oh, oh. from Trinity performances this year influence plans for next year? Do you understand that question? I'm not. Yeah, t- that's you kind of understand. Yeah, go on. Yes, I mean yes, I know. It's um, well, it's a different team. For one, this year we have less pure climbers, so with that, we've changed the race program. We're doing more races in Belgium, France. Um, so I don't know if that answers it. Yeah, um, uh, I feel like I can be more stern this year. Now I know, Stern. Th- like you know, a bit more, uh, a bit more self belief in what I'm doing. I right. was, I, I felt like I was really, as I was learning the job and the role, I was quite relaxed for the first half of the year. Um, where now I feel like I can just, I don't know, a bit more authoritative. Yeah. Um, but that just comes down to experience, I think. So, Azevedo would have even more respect for you. Than he already had. Oh God, yeah, he'd like. He had so he? much respect for you, didn't he? Yeah, didn't he? Yeah. Remember that bacon thing he had Tour de France. The you were the only two DSs oh, who yeah. completed the Tour de France for a winning team, and he knew that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just want to go back to Alentejo. It'd be so good. So good, isn't it? Um, late, uh, Catherine. Uh, Catherine asks, "Where does he find the time?" And time is in capital letters. To do what? I don't know. She just asks, "Where does he find the time?" On my I right think- wrist. A, which is <laughs> the Maxi Andrew wrist, yeah, yeah. yeah. Lady Dala Lash, Lad Lash Dash. D- yes, does the Isle of Man? Yes, I, I, I don't know what the yes is doing in this sentence. Anyway, does the Isle of Man have a food it's known for? Kippers and uh, chips, cheese, and gravy, which is also <laughs> um, the French. 
part of Canada. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's that, called it, it's called put, put, Putin. 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 Putin means bastard, doesn't Putin. it? Putin. 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 Yeah, which it's is the same. really bad in Canada. Is I don't it? know about the Isle of Man. I just think it's what a rubbish national dish that is. Yeah, it's to be a national dish, but yeah, that's a thing on the like, chips, cheese, and gravy. It's filthy. Same as the yeah, Canada. Mm. It's a Quebecois thing. It's a French speak. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, we've been down that rabbit hole before. Have we? we? Well, it's hardly Remember surprising. Them. This is our seven hundredth podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We're about to be repeating ourselves a bit. Uh, have we really done that before? We know we talked about Canada and the French part, and I said, "Remember, I was right for once about like geography uh, oh, and stuff were... that I shouldn't know." Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that I should know, but I never do. And Quebec. You... Yeah, Quebec. And me and David, went, it's not a place. It's not a city. Yeah, yeah. And you went. I've literally been there, raced it, and won probably. Yeah. Yeah. Are you off, Andrew? Oh no! Cheers, Andrew. Take care. See you in the morning. Nine AM sharp on the dot. Cracking the whip. Cheers, Andrew. Um, Mel Griffiths asks: This is good. If Pete could assemble his own TDF, TDF dream team, your Tour de France dream team, composed entirely of past teammates, who would he pick? So you're in it. You've got the number one on your back, maybe. No, forget about the numbers. But you're in it. So Kenyuk, and you've got seven more riders who you raced with either at Bora or Sky? I would make a lead out for Cav. <laughs> Go on then. So do you play a part in the lead out? Oh, yeah. Which part? I was like his third to last man in the Giro. You were, you? Yeah, we've had that. Again, again, we've again, done this yeah. on the floor. Just to remind you though. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so you're third from last. Uh, maybe not on this team. All right, so in this team, you're doing the early work on the front. Right. Me, <laughs> Cav, G, Peter Sagan is the last man. <laughs> 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 Four more. Uh, or, uh, Bernie, does he make it? Were you a teammate of Bernie's? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jez Hunt. Jez Hunt, just for morale and talent. Because I want Brad to get this record, Brad Wiggins. You want Brad to get the record? No, Cav. Cav, okay. So, yeah. <clears throat> and Brad is just but will incredible. You get, will, yeah, will you get the best out of him? Like, will he, will he be motivated enough? <laughs> you'll have to DS it as well oh god you're going to put Brad in why don't you get oh no because they were not teammates of yours I was going to suggest you got the whole of the Garmin 2009 team time trial squad yeah they, no one get around them would they <laughs> <laughs> who oh. else would have been epic in that you need like so Brad's in there yeah. so you've got three more um there's quite a few who you've, who you've raced with see the thing is you never really at Sky you never really had a lead out train did you no but we had loads of fast riders in yeah. their in the, are we talking about in their prime yeah obviously so you had like Eddie Bosenhagen yeah um, yeah guys you stick like him in. yeah you could just make a f like an awesome lead out train couldn't you yeah so just a lead out train for Cam yeah <laughs> <laughs> um what was the f what was the favourite race of the year as a DS? Oh, Alentejo. No, maybe that, not. Tor Go on. That was up there. Yeah, it's between the Portugal, the whole Portugal block, and the Baby Giro. The Baby Giro. That was class. I was speaking to so some of my colleagues in Italy, RCS colleagues who were working behind the scenes at the Baby Giro, and they said they loved it. Yeah. They said it was just really chilled and good, and just like, did you have good weather as well? Or was yeah, I don't think it rained once. Yeah. Great, just a great atmosphere. Nice hotels and just... Lovely hotels. Yeah. Lovely hotels. And it was just so well organised. Yeah. Yeah, it was ace. Because I've been offered to do the commentary on it, but I can't do it because... Dauphine. Dauphine. Annoyingly. Um, okay. 
That was from Glasgow Travelling. Next question. And by the way, the response to hashtag Ask Pete has been overwhelming. <laughs> Our Twitter account has got quite a lot of followers. Did you know that? What is it? 5,000? Yeah, over 5,000. It's quite a lot, isn't it? It's good. Yeah. Gaining um, traction. Gaining traction all the time. No Not only will you get like... We're going to... If you ti- if you are the title sponsor of this podcast, yeah. Yeah. whoever that may be, you're going to yeah. get a, a lot of exposure. Oh, talking about sponsors. Let's hear from them. Well, hello, everybody. I'm just back from my first wet run of the year. Properly got soaked in southeast London today. Um, so much so, well, I won't... Maybe it's oversharing, but... Um, uh, any runner will identify with clinging material in the rain uh, that leads to nipple rub. Um, that is one of the things that AG1 can't help with. Um, but as you know, if you're a long-time listener, you might know that I've been drinking AG1 for the best part of a year. And when I started drinking AG1 daily, I could tell straight away that it was going to become the kind of obsessional habits that it has become because um, I, I, don't get, I don't appear, like who knows scientifically whether this is true, but I don't appear or feel like I get I'm well as often as I did. Um, I have more energy, feel a bit more relaxed and can focus properly. And that's because AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management and immune support. Since, in fact, 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. David Miller is equally obsessed. So is Pete Kenyuk. In fact, when we did the tour of Britain uh, recently, David and I, he set off without his travel packs and I had to scramble to make sure that I had enough uh, to keep him fueled up uh, over the duration of the tour of Britain. And if you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash neverstraysfar. That's drinkag1.com slash neverstraysfar. Check it out. This is David Miller reporting from Taipei, Taiwan. Uh, I left here last time you heard from me. I was uh, on the sofa at my mum's house in London. Uh, giving a Tour de France presentation overview. Um, Not much to report since then. Although I do recommend going to Sport Tours International if you want to go to the Tour de France next year. And in particular, do l'Etape de Tour because they do amazing packages to go and do it. And it's going to be a nice l'Etape next year, starting in Nice. Bit of Côte d'Azur action. None of this Alpine Pyrenean madness. Uh, but they also do all sorts of hospitality during the tour. They're official partners to ASO. So if you want to go and visit the Tour de France, ride part of a stage, do the hospitality thing on the finish line, VIP, all that jazz, go to Sports Tours International because they have endless amounts of packages. And uh, you get looked after by the official ASO partner. So all the bells and whistles. So go and check that out. But yeah, I'm here, uh, standing outside my hotel, uh, waiting to get picked up by Derek uh, to go and meet some people. I was supposed to be on a free bike ride this morning, my own choice, to go out with some people and go for a long bike ride, but I'm too tired. 
I've been going non-stop since I arrived here late on Thursday night. Uh, been doing epically long days every day. Um, and I've never had jet lag as bad as I have here. It's been hellish. Even last night, I was in bed for like nine and a half hours, but I think I got about four hours sleep. So that was cool. Um, never had it like this before. I'm probably going to sleep like a baby tonight in preparation to get up and fly back to Europe tomorrow morning. But yeah, Taipei's been great. Taiwan's amazing. Um, not far from Hong Kong, where I spent my adolescence uh, on the south, in the South China Sea, just on the junction with the East South East East China Sea. God, I got complicated. Not far from China, which uh, isn't ideal in the current climate. Hopefully, it's all going to end well for Taiwan. Um, it's lovely here. The people are amazing. Interesting fact is 95% of the population are Buddhist Taoist, uh, which is pretty cool. Everyone's super Zen. Uh, genuinely quite a lovely vibe. And I've got to go bike riding. The reason I'm here is for chapter three. We have an amazing partner here uh, called Thermal Take, who do our, our Southeast Asia distribution and have created the chapter three Asia hub. So we were meeting with them and the community and I went for a Brompton ride because there's a massive Chapter 3 Brompton community in Southeast Asia. Um, so I met with all them, well, a group of them on, on Saturday. People have flown in from Singapore, Thailand, Japan. Uh, so we went for a ride. It was chucking it down with rain uh, in the morning. So we met early hung out at the Chat 3 Asia hub, then went for a bike ride once it dried out, and then in the evening we had a VIP dinner at a, a very kind of Asian super grand hotel with the most bonkers buffet I've ever seen. So that was nice, lots of speeches and things like that. And then on Sunday we went, uh, did a bike road ride yesterday with the Chat 3 road community here up a local hill. Not a very big one by Taiwanese standards because it is really mountainous here on the east coast, down down a bit further south. It's uh, they've got like four thousand meter peaks, crazy. Uh, and on Saturday there was the KOM challenge here, which is this very well known Taiwanese event, which takes place every autumn, um, where they climb from sea level up to over three thousand meters. I think it's like. I can't remember if it was 80Ks or 100Ks, but it takes three hours. The re record was broken this year. I can't remember the name of the guy who did it, a Aussie guy. Uh, Pete would know, because apparently he was formerly on Trinity. Uh, but he broke the record, got three hours and 16 minutes, beating Nibali's record, who'd beaten my friend John Ebsen's record, who won the KO Challenge five times. Uh, but yeah, 3.16, which is really fast, which goes to show how long that climb is. I did it once, uh, in a car because it's one of the few events that has zero tolerance uh, so which means that no athlete who's ever tested positive or uh, had an anti-doping violation can take part in it which I'll be honest with you I'm not going to fight I'm perfectly happy with that uh, if I don't have to do that the KM challenge ever in my life that would be totally cool with me um, although saying that 
we might do it next year as a charity event, a kind of a, a rebel event where I can do it. So, you know, maybe not quite out of that one scot-free. Um, but yeah, so here today, just going to go and meet some people now. Then back to the hotel, I'm going to go for a run along the river before spending all afternoon doing product and planning for 2024 with the Thermal Take crew, which looking forward to. Uh, another good news, uh, which I'm sure you'll be really happy to hear, Ned. Uh, I am currently injury-free, so I may be getting to the point of adaptation to running after my numerous injuries since I started running the Tour de France. And the foot injury, and then a bit took me off for two weeks after Tour de France and the quad strain uh, and chest strain I got a Tour of Britain to Covid to the calf strain I got after Covid um, so yeah it's been one thing after another for two months was well, August, September, October, yeah three months of constant injuries but still uh, I guess that's part of the course when a cyclist gets into running um but yeah, I seem to be better now. But I've only got, what, one month till the Valencia Marathon. Hashtag run your dreams. Um, it's not going to be much of a dream one, that's for sure. It's going to be a case of just getting through it at this rate, which is fine, because I'll just do another marathon next year. That's the great thing about working with Sports Tours International. They can probably get me into whatever one I want to do next year, which would be great, because um, I'm on a mission now. I'm not, now that I'm kind of injury-free and... Loving my running. I'm just going to keep that going. And, yeah. One other note. Uh, that bottle of champagne, Ned, that I got given uh, uh, the Velodor Awards, which was useless to me. I did bring it across here. I gave it to Kenny, who runs Thermal Take. Um, and then somebody else gave me a bottle of Dom Perignon. And a bottle of the most expensive whiskey I think I've ever seen. So, offloaded one, got two back. So... But it's Nicole's birthday tomorrow, so I'll take Don Perignon back for her. And yeah, so that's about it. Looks like, what's the time? Oh, Derek's late. Six minutes past nine. That's it, that's it. I'm out. Uh, hope all is well. Hope Germany in the darts was fun. And hope Pete is all good. I believe you'll be seeing him in London this week. So. Oh, actually, I'll be in London. Possibly staying for the day on Wednesday, maybe. I'm not sure. I get back tomorrow night, Tuesday night. May hang around on Wednesday before flying back on Wednesday evening for an event during the day in London. But I'm not sure about that yet. Very good. All right. Checking out. Bye-bye. Andy Ball, this is quite. You can you can approach this one in one or two ways. You can just give us a glib, dismissive answer, or you can actually go quite in depth, depending on which Pete wants to deal with it. Okay. Andy Ball asks, "Where do you see yourself in five years' time?" That's oh quite, wow, Andy. Jesus. Yeah, it's a big one, isn't it? <laughs> it's a big one. Oh. See, I'm. I think in five years' time, I'm. I. I quite like to retire, <laughs> but you're you're a few years younger than me. Oh, I wish I was your age. <laughs> You don't, mate. You'd have a bunion on your left I've foot. I've already retired once. That's true. 
Yeah, you got there before me. I have like, I'd say, I don't know. I want to, I want to find a good balance between work life and home life. You love your home life. Because, you love your and it's, it's, it's more about, I don't, like I'm happy to travel. I'm happy to commit to the job. I love DS and, but at the same time, I don't want to miss my kids growing up. Yeah. So I want to find that balance. I, like I think I did 180 days on the road this year. Yeah. Including the tour. That's a lot, isn't it? it half, is a, that's half the year. It is a lot. So if I could find like a nice sort of medium between that and then my dream, which I sort of set myself this year, which I didn't set myself. I, it, I just said it. I don't know. Dave B always talks about dream, like having dreams. So you have your goals, yeah. but you've got to have a dream, and that might be winning. The, and it doesn't have to be realistic. Yeah. It can yeah. be a dream, but it's important to have it. Um, but I've, you know, I've never worked for a world tour team, and I'm yet to find out what that's like. But I'd say my dream would be to DS, be lead DS at the Tour de France, because I think that'd just be so cool, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think you will. <clears throat> I think you will. Um, I'm going to jump over this next one because I don't understand it. Uh, Matt Kappa. Who was your favourite teammate to ride with? Or or four in a support role? Uh, I don't know, really. Just no one in particular, just... Cavendish? Yeah, I mean... Yeah? No one no one stands out, actually. Actually, it's fair enough. A bit of a generic question, that. Yeah. And who is one. the most enjoyable of his current team to DS4? Oh, you could, probably can't say... That would be like picking out your favourite rider, I don't think you can say that. Um, can you? No. Uh, Dickie Green says, as I see it, happy to be told otherwise, with the age of a pro rider dropping and a soon-to-be younger peloton, does he think the current or next generation of cyclists will go for as long, G. Thomas, for instance, and does he feel cycling is doing enough to help the pro cyclist's next career paths? Two totally different questions, but I think he's, it's quite a good question, actually. If, if people it are is. sort of riding at World Tour at 20... How, are they going to be able to have as long... Are they going to be still racing at 36, 37? It's, it's really hard to predict, isn't yeah. it? Because, I mean, time will tell. Yeah. But from how I see it and how the top guys deal... Well, I'm talking about the top guys here, not just everyone. Yeah. But how they deal with the pressure. Yeah. And how they seem to, like, love... They, You know, no one seems to be this new generation. Yeah. And you've got to remember, cycling changed through my generation. Yeah. And this is a new cycling that they've only ever known. Yeah. And when I watch them and listen to their interviews and they just, everyone seems really level headers. Yeah. They're, I don't know, like they seem really in control of themselves. They don't seem too stressed or unhappy or, and I don't know whether that comes down to a lot of education mm. around well-being mm. and obviously mental health. I mean, if you look back to when I was 2014, 15, when I used to, sort of have my down periods that was just like my teammates would say oh pete's got april disease like, yeah. i wasn't even didn't even know what it was mental health was, that was yeah them. yeah yeah and look yeah. how much yeah. that's came on in, in the last and it's 10 not years. just about people who struggle it's about just mental health is like dealing with pressure isn't it dealing with i don't know loss wins self-expectation um so i think that's changed a lot and i think that's going to help them help yeah. with their longevity it's a really interesting question that yeah. <laughs> because I think, so, you know, like this week, Ben Swift and Luke just announced two years. Like, it did surprise me, both of them doing another yeah. two years. Um, but they are like, 
those writers and Garrett Thomas as well are sort of the outliers, aren't they? Because yeah. they just love it so much and they're yeah, still yeah. so invested in it. But for the majority of folk who haven't perhaps got their uh, support from the team and the, you know maybe the conditions in which they race, but also their achievements and their sort of mentality. For a lot of riders, it strikes me that they can only do it for so long actually yeah and then they'll they'll come a real and maybe you maybe you fall into this category as well but yeah they'll 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 come a sort of like point in their career it's not always going to be smooth trajectory is it where they they suffer a setback of some description and for a lot of people they'll in their early 30s they seem to just go yeah that do you know what that'll do yeah exactly i i, I, I don't need this anymore in my life i've been doing this for 10 yeah. tw- t- 10 12 years that'll do mm-hmm. and maybe that point will just always happen in riders careers but it might happen a bit earlier because you can't yeah, for a lot of riders, you just can't, can't. And you've got you've got to think of these young guys when they we talk about the thirty-year-olds now who you just mentioned. Yeah, anyone when they're eighteen, nineteen, they believe they can achieve anything. Yeah, and then they get to a point and they realise their level, and then all of a sudden, you know, like the years tick by, and you turn up to Pyrenees and you're doing the same, pretty much the same parkour. Yeah, you turn up to, you know, Catalonia. It's pretty much exactly the same every year. Yeah, and it it can get and that can be for some of them where it's just easy to and the balance tips a little bit yeah um yeah unless you're like Garrett thomas or mark cavendish where you're still chasing big wins and highly motivated yeah yeah um corms asks what's your favorite cheese i I know the answer to this no you're gonna gonna get it wrong go on burrata no parmesan okay uh linda You love burrata, though. I love parmesan. But you couldn't live without parmesan? No, I couldn't. Yeah, it's true. It's so good on everything. Um, Linda Sinclair, what is more physically rewarding, cycling or running? Well, now, for you, it's running, isn't it? Oh, running. Every time. Every time. Um, JC says, DS plus X rider question. I want to know the difference in work and precision required for a cyclist to first get into top shape versus returning to top shape after a longer than normal break. (laughs) Also, <laughs> but JC, well, I think it's like, is it harder to, to to start from nothing? I don't really know what the question is. To get to get into top shape from a standing start or to return to top shape after a longer than, I don't understand the question. But JC also says, also, just chat. It's good. So we'll just chat. We just chat instead. <laughs> Partridge Thornton says, do you have a painting of yourself in the attic that ages horribly over time? <laughs> I know that's a reference to the portrait of Dorian Gray. Have you oh, ever heard okay. that story? No. So he um, he has a portrait of himself in his attic that gets older, and he remains eternally youthful. I think it's, he's paying you a compliment, Doctor oh, Sean, to saying you are, you are eternally youthful. <laughs> Ketchup or brown sauce on a bacon butty? Hashtag Ask Pete. Obviously, there's only one correct answer. Problem is, you don't eat bacon. No, I but used if, to. But can, I but used, used to. to so I bread. used to. I used to love a bacon butty, white bread. Yeah, butter. Squeeze, would you squeeze the bread a bit so it goes oh, it, like slightly compact oh, it? <laughs> uh, this is a podcast, so I'll have to tell yeah. you. Peter's uh, describing a downward pressing motion with his uh, right hand. So my you'd grand, squash my the grand bread. taught me it. Squash it like right she whacks it and then squashes it. Proper old school. Same <laughs> with uh, Chris Sandwich as well. That you do that with a crisp sandwich. Yeah, yeah you have to, otherwise it, that will yeah, crisp yeah. fall well, out. It's just exactly yeah. what you do. Yeah. Uh, tomato ketchup, I'd have on it. Yeah, me too. Brown sauce with a sausage. Uh, I don't Maybe. think I've ever had brown sauce ever really yeah um, how shiny is too shiny hashtag ask Pete Jude Bellingham at the Velodore did you see his outfit strange wasn't it yeah 
I think it's a bit get too shiny, it. wasn't it? We've I got... don't know if it was shiny. It was just a bit. It, 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 I don't know what vibe he's going for. What style? He's been he's been advised, hasn't he? But yeah, wrongly I, I, though. Yeah, I think so. He just bit. looked too young for the outfit. Yeah. He, yeah, it just wasn't that. I'm hip. I'm borderline obsessed with Jude Bellingham at the moment. Yeah, it's great. I it? mean, just what a. Because why is he twenty? Yeah, my wife it's absolutely just... loves him. You know, he scored ten goals, right? Paul was telling me this upstairs. Um, he scored ten goals already this season, and that was the most Zidane had ever scored in a whole season for Real Madrid. Yeah, and he plays in a similar role, yeah. but also to score both the goals in the Clasico. Oh yeah. And it's just... And, but it's, he's also such a grown-up. He's like, he's like just, level-headed. Also, he's just got that warming arrogance though, hasn't he? He's amazing. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like you, an arrogance that you that you like. Yeah. So I'm not... Uh, yeah, Which I can't quite talk. quite rare. How shiny is too shiny. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, I quite enjoyed when I went to the route presentation in, in Paris oh, last week. Oh, the outfits. I just enjoy seeing the cyclists. They... Because it's it changed... Awkward? Oh, yeah, it's totally awkward. Yeah, I thought the cyclists are so awkward. They're so awkward. Because they did, like, it's changed a bit since I haven't been to that presentation for about 10 years. And it's changed a bit. And the first thing that happens is the, the American guy who does the announcing and the, the ASO guy with the ponytail who speaks fluent French and, and English with an American accent. He came on stage and he went, ladies and gentlemen, the riders. And he kind of introduced, it must have been about 40 riders one by one. And they came like walking mincing across the stage like that in double quick time and Cav was one of them. Cav looked all right. He kind of knows, yeah, he knows how to dress. It's quite smart cash, isn't it? Yeah, but yeah, all the other of them were like, they did, were wearing they try all hard sorts of... They, they, they do, they try so hard. So basically the Velador needs to be like that, doesn't it? Yeah. With all of them there. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't it though? It does. It will be, I, yeah. I reckon. Yeah. Give it five years. God, David will be flying in five oh, years' time in his presence. Yeah. Did you see Didier Drogba did the David Miller role on the Ballon d'Or? He was class. Was, yeah, so was so David. So good, yeah. I, didn't, I haven't seen any of David. I once flew all the way to Istanbul to do an interview with Didier Drogba, which uh, was for a his life story. And ITV paid him tens of thousands of pounds and he gave us an hour and a half of his time. My God. Um, but yeah, he's been doing it for... This is his fourth year. Who, Drogba? Yeah. How do you know that? Because I watched the whole Ballon d'Or. You even did. the you red were, carpet from you were 6 o'clock to like 9. And you thought Seb PK was doing interviews on the red, red carpet? Right. If Seb PK listens PK? to this podcast, which he might not do. No, probably not. But if it's not him. <laughs> this is the Ballon d'Or, by the way, not the Velo d'Or. But anyway. That blows my mind. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, uh, Nick Renus Keithley. Quite a few questions. Yeah. If you put one lasagna on top of another lasagna, do you have two lasagnas or just one? (laughs) Best question, that. (laughs) It's two, isn't it? Because the top... Because you're going to hit... You're going to hit the... Well, you answer it. I'm answering it for you. It's a hashtag ask Pete. No, no, this is a... Yeah, we can both. But you're going to... If you've got two stacked on top of the other, you've always got a crispy layer of burnt cheese on the top, haven't you? So you're going to hit that bit, at which point it becomes abundantly clear it's two pizzas with one... Like, I think so. I think it's two pizzas. Uh, two lasagnas. Lasagnas. <laughs> certainly not pizzas. Um, if not that, what's his all-time favourite stage of the Tour de France and why? I guess... Ever? Uh, yeah, well, that's what the question said. Your all-time favourite stage of the Tour de France and why? I don't I, know whether that's one you've raced or one you've I watched. I don't have... I wouldn't say all-time favourite stage because I can't remember it, but <laughs> I used to have the the videotape of the, well, I still do, my dad does somewhere, the 89 tour. Yep. 
Um, Final time trial? Or no, in stage? the mountains when Finion's on the attack. Yeah. I just think it's just that is epic. so classic. Yeah. And I, I don't know what, it's the year I was born as well, so maybe I have a bit of an emotional You're born attachment. in 89? Yeah. By the way, dear Never Stress for our listeners, if you want to buy the 1989 special edition blue road book... <laughs> Although Pete Kenyuk doesn't get a mention in it, even though he was born in 1989. Didn't realise that. I need to get you one. Yeah. I'll get you one. But um, yeah, you can get £10 discount by uh, checking out and using the NSF 2023 discount code. Carry on. Anyway, it's that, is it? Fignon in 1989. Fair enough. I've got to unlock my phone again. My phone always locks up. Um, and were Ineos wrong not to sign Cavendish to end his career? Cavendish is a British team to beat the record was surely a no-brainer. We've discussed this. They should yeah, have done, they they should have done, have done that. that. I've seen the Sean Kelly comment. Yeah, question. Yeah, what does Sean Kelly say? Well, this is, it's, it's out of context because the headline is Mark Cavendish shouldn't do another tour or something along the lines. What, Kelly that. said that? Yeah, but then if you read the whole article, it's... <laughs> okay, it's, it's a not, bad headline. Yeah, basically, okay, yeah. Right, right, right. What, anyway, what was his reasoning why he shouldn't do it? Um, I can't remember. <laughs> There we go. Hashtag analysis. Hashtag, ah. ask, <laughs> hashtag, hashtag ask Pete. Bees asks, would you rather become a DS for a World Tour team or stay? I'm going to ask you that. Um, part-time ninja. Pete, at what point in your career did you know that you wanted to go into team management and be a DS? Was it something you'd aimed for or an opportunity that just appeared? When I was a rider, I probably said multiple times, there is no way in hell I'm having DS. anything to do with cycling when I retire. Anything. Yeah, and here you are. <laughs> And it, yeah, it just, it happened quite naturally. I did a bit of mountain biking. So I, everyone probably knows this. And then started full-time this year and loved it. That was yeah, it. And done very well. Thanks Adam, to Andrew McQuaid, by the way. Adam, Adam Dooley, we've had enough Andrew McQuaid in this podcast. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's very nice about you on record, on the record, actually. Yeah. I said you could be honest because you never listen back to these podcasts. So no, you'll never, never know what he says. No. But anyway, Adam Dooley says, uh, uh, hashtag ask Pete, what's his favourite Elton John song? Oh, I it lost my one. Um... I know what it is. Don't go breaking my heart. That's David's one. It's so good. Yeah, we, that's a bit of a Tour de France song. I it? couldn't if I tried. <laughs> Nobody knows it. Nobody knows <laughs> a rap from the start. Oh, I'm getting like flashbacks because oh, that's like got real oh. Autoroute du Soleil vibes heading oh, towards a payage. Sun's, sun's just slipping s- down. Dropping. Like that. Flicking it's it. great because you can started. sing it to each other. Yeah, yeah. Pointing at each other like that. I've done the edit, so I've put the headphones oh, off, yeah. and I've uploaded it, <laughs> and I've gone, podcast gone, guys, and you've gone, well done, Ned, as you have to say every day. <laughs> uh, nostalgia for the Tour de France. Ben Newton says, is the Isle of Man a good location for a 40th birthday celebration? I want to go somewhere a bit random and a bit different. <laughs> yeah, go in TT week. <laughs> go in TT week. April Taylor says, any, ch- any more children of the 90s GB athletes coming to Trinity after Grindley and Naruka? Naruka. So that, at Grindley? I know about Lucas Naruka's dad. You're frowning. Grindley. Anyway, uh, you've got no children no. of GB athletes. Okay. Claire P says, hi Pete, in your professional racing career, did you ever write, <laughs> that's a good question, did you ever ride against team orders? Because on the road, you knew it wasn't working. Uh, I never directly rode against team orders, but on the last stage of Torino, I was just so bored <laughs> and we were like trying to, I don't know, lead someone out or something I just come, like with, to get fourth. You yeah, know? yeah. So I just didn't put my radio in and just went in the breakaway. <laughs> <laughs> 
And yeah. Brilliant. Oh. Uh, Aaron Donut. Aaron Donut says, how much did you get for Lucas? You probably can't answer that. Um, <laughs> and you probably don't know. Um, how much did we get? We get nothing. There you go. Yeah. Just develop the athlete and on he goes. Although there is a UCI rule now that you get, I think. A development fee, right? Yeah. I think the World Tour team pays 2000 for every year they were on your team, but it has to be more than two, maybe. So nothing. He, Lucas was on it for two. So we get. Nothing. Four grand. Oh, right. Two, okay. Two, right. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce this Welsh name. I'm really sorry. So I'm not going to bother. Um, when are you releasing the Trinity team casual wear? Is it for sale? We have a Trinity store and I suspect uh, there is kit on it. And I have suspect the casual kit will be going up soon. Keep your eyes on So I'll website. push Andrew to do that. Yeah. Um, no worries. Dave Corlett says... Queen scallops or queenies? As I can't believe how many questions there are. Oh, look, Dave's answering the the question about the Isle of Man food. You said chips and oh, and, he's and cheese. Queenies, and yeah. I Dave that. said queen scallops or queenies, as we call yeah. them locally. Yeah, missed that one. Okay. Queenies. Espresso yeah. Dan, what's the thing you only realised about being a DS when you became a DS that every DS knew and never told the riders? That's a good question. I there's not like one specific thing, but what I really thrived off and what got a lot out of me was the way nico portal was as a ds yeah and i really struggled when a director would just come into your room like he was ticking boxes and be like just direct questions where portal was really good at just sitting with you and conversating without you realizing yeah and then you you just feel so comfortable in his presence yeah and i think that's really important to do is like try and give the riders time in a natural way yep and, you know, try and understand what they're going through, you know, because you do, you're, all you're trying to do is get the best out of them. And if they're not feeling great on one day or you know, there's no point in standing up there at the front of the bus and saying, you've got to be here at this point and do this yeah. at that point. Because, you know, they might just need to take a back seat one day and then you put a bit of pressure on them the other day. Yeah. Uh, little stuff like that, I'd say. don't know if that answers the question. But that totally answers the question. And not only that, I find that quite moving, actually, because I knew Nico a little and... I think that's wonderful that a message that he sent out and a learning that he gave you is actually being perpetuated and he's left a bit of himself out yeah. there. Oh, absolutely. I think that's really lovely. Yeah. Good answer, Pete. Um, Tildy Pop <laughs> asks, <laughs> what would you, as DS Pete, tell 16-year-old Pete at the start of his professional career if you could turn back time? Feel free to sing that part. <laughs> if I could turn back time. If I could turn back time. Oh, <laughs> what would you tell DS Pete? Tidy your room. No, you were probably 16 quite tiny. 16-year-old Pete. To do in what context? Cycling? Just, yeah, obviously. DS Pete, how would you deal with 16-year-old oh, Pete? God, no. No, I couldn't sack be on the same him. team as him. Just sack him. Uh, I hate every minute of it. <laughs> Richard Appleby. <laughs> what would wind you up about 16-year-old Pete? Just his attitude. Everything. Like. <laughs> I wouldn't, if I, I, if, if, if I was sat opposite me now with your Ned, I wouldn't like him. He's doing my head in. <laughs> so honest. <laughs> so honest. Oh, dear. Richard Appleby, when do retired pros stop shaving their legs? Have you stopped shaving your legs? I yeah, I have, yeah. When did you stop? How many years? Like, instantly? Well, I, I did. You aren't hairy, though, are you? The hairless oh, no, person. Oh, it's so annoying. Yeah. Uh, I, I did triathlons for a bit, so I kept shaving them. But then as soon as I stopped doing anything seriously, right. I just stopped shaving my legs because right. there's no point, is there? What's your reaction to Kelly's comments on that? Um, where's the best place to buy 90s clothes? 
Charity shops in Maidstone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get anything there. Uh, Go to Zara. Don't, I still don't know how I'm not sponsored by Zara. Yet. How are you? How are we not sponsored? How, how are you not sponsored? Not even by just Zara? a little cheeky side sponsorship. Unbelievable. You know? what's, what's Zara. Buy clothes at Zara. Twenty grand to them. Buy clothes at Zara. Never strays far. Says buy clothes at Zara. Hey guys. So I've just been to Zara. Yeah. Picked up a few nineties garments. Yeah, they're great and they're good value too. <laughs> <laughs> Joanna Worthingirl says knowing what he does about being a pro and also about the environment that young pros are currently working in how would he feel if any of his children wanted to become cyclists and would he actively encourage them to take up cycling with the hope that they might become pros well recently uh, so that's a penultimate question by the way got one more after that I me and Lauren are really really relaxed parents in terms of we don't push them into anything or yeah. really we quite if you don't want to do it that's fine yeah but now i've started to think about it a bit more and i'm worried that if i'm too relaxed with my kids mm-hmm. yeah that they won't get the best out of themselves it's and i'm not going to ever push them but I just, every parent struggles with this this yeah, is the eternal so dilemma hard. of every parent but my parents were i felt like they were really good at i don't know i don't know if it's support or i don't know i don't know what it is but i just felt like i was just so plaza so I committed to Emmy. My he, he's seven. Yeah, he um, he's six actually. Yeah, too many kids. Um, <laughs> he um, he's at, like fully got into uh, cycling. Loves it. Yeah. So I've we've just committed to me and him going out on our own. Did fourteen k last week. Went on the BMX track on Sunday. And how much he's came on in just three weeks of us doing He did two, 14K? Yeah. As a six-year-old? Yeah, it's great. Went along the railway lines, <laughs> stopped to the pub. That's he huge. had a hot chocolate and chips and I had a pint and we rode 7K back. And, um, Wonderful. But Wonderful. the improvement I've seen in just, and that's probably me being a bit guilty not committing enough time, mm. you know, to doing that sort of stuff mm. is, yeah, it's crazy. Mm. So without me doing that, he would, wouldn't have improved if that makes sense so now i'm like actually I'm, i need to start devoting a bit more time to stuff like that as a parent you know you know chris baldwin's thing about how to um, measure your effort in a time trial up by asking yourself the question can i sustain it to the finish and if the answer is yes or no then you've got it wrong if the answer is i'm not sure you're on their money then you've, you've got it right which i think is i often think about that i think something similar goes on with parenting Am I being too harsh with the kids? If you can answer that as a yes or a no, you are getting it wrong. But if you're going, I'm not sure, it means you're constantly mm. asking yourself that question uh, anew. Because they change. Like, and every, yeah. It's like yeah. evolving day is different and every, yeah. you know. Uh, but it is, every parent will identify with that. And it's not just about, you know, whether or not you end up as an elite athlete or not, mm-hmm. you know, like. But it's interesting the way it expresses itself on a bike. I remember insisting that my youngest, when they were at primary school age, we rode three miles across London to go to primary school because we'd moved house. Rode back to where we used to live in a London traffic. It involved going up this quite steep hill, Blackheath Hill. And Edie was five at the time. And I remember kind of uh, treading that line of wanting them to get to the top of the hill without getting off and pushing. But am I now bullying the kid? It's so, you know, it's where at what point does line. encouragement... Yeah. Become just hectoring and being yeah, nasty. Yeah. yeah, and I n- never knew the answer to that. And I often think <sighs> about that. It's a tough, it's so hard. But I had such a proud moment with, with Emmy because we did 
a ride out of our house around Laxey up to the Laxey wheel, which is like really steep. And then there's this little dirt road back into Laxey. Yeah. And um, they'd just been like a bus dropped off a load of pensioners basically. Yeah. And they were on this steep climb. Yeah. And they they depart like they parted like um the like fans an crowd. on outdoers. <laughs> And they were all cheering Emmy. And me and Emmy were coming up through this crowd. And it was epic. I love it. It was so good. And you should have seen him, the smile on his face. Oh, he couldn't so believe good. it, yeah. <laughs> like a bunch of pigeons in mankinis. It was with so, players. so good. They loved it. Oh, so that was good, yeah. And then... Funny business, though, isn't it? Funny oh, business. I don't even know what that question was. It was a good question. I can't remember. Um, it was about, yeah, it was about... I can't remember. How do you, how would you feel if any of your children? Oh yeah. Oh, so my answer to that is, yeah, I would love, I would love them to, yeah. if they were passionate and had a dream of becoming a professional cyclist. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever, whatever they enjoy and whatever they're passionate about and love doing. Last Brilliant. question for yep. hashtag ask Pete. And then there's been a quite a long pod, so we'll have to press stop. <laughs> um, Rebecca Fletcher asks, and again, it's quite similar, vein, quite similar questions, but this isn't, this is a good one as well. Do, do you do more stage preparation as a DS than you did as a rider? So, well, yeah, doesn't yeah. even come close. Doesn't even come close. I didn't even look at anything as a rider. <laughs> and that, that's good. And then her second question, the second part of the question is, do you feel the need to apologise to any of your own DSs having spent the year as a DS? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Would you like to apologise to any of them? You can name them if you like and apologise. I would apologise to... Not many, actually. Um, Dario? Dario Cioni. Yeah. Dario, Pete Kenyuk is about to apologise to I'm sorry. He was... <laughs> <laughs> no, I just... I think I lost it with him maybe once or twice. Yeah. Once was... Which, in all fairness, he shouldn't have done. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was on the bumper of his car going like about 30, 40... I don't know, maybe, yeah, 30, 40... An hour. No, it would have been faster than 30, 40 to 50k an hour. And we we're coming in towards Alcudia. Yeah. And he knew I was on my bumper. Yeah. And the traffic light went red. And he just put his brakes on. Oh. You, just, you can't. What happened? Well, I like I just managed to sort of slide down the side of the car. Kind of, all right. I yeah. can imagine that. So you, that was. You, but then you, also, I kind of. you can. I can. It's an accident, isn't it? Yeah. But you just lose it as a rider. Well, you've. As a cyc- yeah, as a cyclist, oh, you just get the red mist, wouldn't you? Yeah, still? and like also riders don't ever understand that when you're driving a car, they're on this bike which is tiny, and you've got to get get the car around them. Yeah. Or there's so much going on. Sometimes you just make a tiny mistake, and they're fuming. Yeah. Or when they all like the whole peloton decides to stop for a wee, yeah. And you've got riders who've just stopped for a wee before them on your bumper coming back up, but then you've got riders on your left and right trying to clip in yeah and they're they're annoyed at you because you've (laughs) almost hit them way too close but you've got a rider on your bumper it's like a no-win situation yeah 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 stuff like that used to get annoyed at yeah um but it did yeah you can only really you have to like yeah be in the car as a ds to fully you'd never understand it as a rider because on the bike you just feel like there's, there's all the room in the world yeah and there just isn't Oh, I'm so excited about my trip to Paris-Roubaix on April the 6th. I'm going to book my Eurostar and my accommodation. That's definitely going in the diary, Pete. That would be crazy, won't it? All right. All right. Happy Halloween. Did you enjoy Halloween last night? You got you were excited about Halloween and then you missed it because you were away from your family in a hotel in London. Yeah. I went I went to Tooting Market with Aaron and John. Had some nice food. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Cheers. Cheers.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 